Yeah, dude, this is Steve-O, and you're listening to Dr. Brady Smith on the Drilled Podcast. I'm drilled. Welcome to this week's episode of the Drilled with Dr. Brady podcast. I am Dr. Brady. Our normal co-host, Lowell, is absent today. We booted him for someone way better. And we got uh, Steve Thorne, who is the CEO of Pacific Dental Services, which is one of, uh, one of the largest uh, DSOs in the United States. Let's see if I can get some numbers right. I'll probably get them uh, wrong. We got about uh, 800 some odd locations. We got yeah, about 3,000. About 3,000 dentists, 15,000 employees. Yeah. You just come on right in there, Steve. You just Generally come right up. there, yeah. Yeah, we're, no, in, we're, we're on in a gross the range. Spurt, but business we're good, yeah. We're in the yeah. range somewhere. Yeah. And listen, I had great interest in bringing Steve on, and I've been um, hounding him on, on social media. Listen, it's so awesome that you're on social media, that you're in such a, a elevated type of position in charge of so many people in such an influential position and uh, you still put yourself out there and your ideas um, for all to, to see. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And that's one thing that I really wanted to kind of uh, that I admired and I wanted to try to get to know you and, 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 and bring on the podcast and chat with you about a bunch of things. I also am tied to corporate dentistry as, as a lot of my listeners know, I'm, I've been a comfort <coughs> doctor for, uh, 12 years. And, okay. and so I have, uh, and Comfort Dental is an interesting business model where it's, it's, it's not exactly like TDS. And I don't think any of these DSOs are exactly like each other, no. but I want to give you, before we get into anything here, Steve, I want to give you an opportunity. Let's just hear from you. What do you, uh, what do, what do we, uh, how do we answer the question? Who are you? What do you do? Uh, when I'm asked that question, I'm just as a, High level, I'm the founder and CEO of Pacific Dental Services. Uh, we are one of the largest uh, DSOs in the United States, um, actually in the world, because all the large ones are here in the world. Uh, we're, uh, we support multi-specialty groups um, all across the nation. We're in oh, about 60 DMAs, they call it, um, you know, real business areas and, and, uh, and growing. We're privately held. I think we're we're well, a little bit like comfort, like you were saying. We're we're one of the the last ones that's privately held. So been at this for over 30 years in the profession. Actually, have a little history with uh, with Rick, who founded Comfort way back when. And I remember going to a yeah, going to a, a conference he was leading back in. I can't remember. Went with my because I started with my dad by putting in a computer system into his dental office. I was not planning on going into dental dentistry and i'm not a dentist a business guy and uh he took me to a, a seminar once and rick was it was rick's seminar i can't remember what he called it back then like the profitable dentist or something like that no that wasn't it it was something else but I, it'll come to me and um and so went and listened to him and then i think i even had him left we'll to ask him if he remembers coming to speak at 
at my company when I started it in 94, 95. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, those were the days when Rick was a, was a traveling man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Times have changed. That's been yeah. what we were 25 years later. And, and, uh, he's, uh, I gotta be about to hang up his hat soon. His right hand man, Neil Norton just retired. Okay. So the big guys are starting to get up there in age. And, and that's kind of the question yeah. on most comfortable doc minds is when, uh, what, who, 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 how does the uh, transition of power go? <laughs> <laughs> who is it going to be a peaceful transition of power? Probably. We'll see. Uh, well, listen, it's probably the single the question I get asked the most too. When when am I going to hang up my cleats? Because um, you know, but uh, still growing. The industry is great, as you know. The industry is uh, as good as it's ever been, probably. And you know, we're yeah. still rocking, and business is good. And I have no reason to to cut out. Like Tom Brady. Yeah, keep going. Right. Why not? Tom Brady said, "I'll, I'll quit." He asked when he was going to retire. He says, "I'll retire when I suck." That's what he said. <laughs> So you should say that too. I'll retire. I'm gonna retire right before I suck. Right, that, <laughs> try to get out on top if you can. Yeah, yeah. One thing that's interesting. One of my first questions I have. So if you look at specific dental services, and you're like, I'm gonna start googling where these locate mostly, right? You will find them named a different name. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that sets you apart. Uh, sets Pacific Dental Services apart from, say, an Aspen, a Gentle Dental, or even Comfort Dental. Mm -hmm. All of our franchises are named Comfort Dental, not, not Comfort Dental of Camas or Comfort Dental of Portland or Comfort Dental of, of Irvine, California. Right. It's, it's, uh, it, it bears the name. Obviously, uh, I think the common uh, school of thought is it's branding strength, right? If mm -hmm. I have five locations, it's not as strong as if I have 12 locations. It's not as strong as if I have 100 locations that all bear the same name. And collaboratively, there's some benefit there. So my question is, why don't you do it that way? Why do you do it with a different name? Why is there a different name on your, on your locations? Yeah, it's a great question. And it, it comes down to a couple factors. So number one, we view our main customer as, as the GP dentist. That's our first and primary customer. We also serve other customers like any business. So pediatric dentist, number two, but uh, general dentist, number one. And we wanted to um, make sure that they uh, come in and feel ownership of their practice and they own that location. So we have an owner doc model where they're actually owners in that location like Comfort. Okay, some of those others you mentioned don't. Uh, so they're owners there. It's their name on the door. Uh, the DBA for the local community is generally what we're going after to attract the local local community and then we have what we call a hover brand called the smile generation so uh, we do have a brand that we market out there to uh, the community to the public ex externally uh, for for uh, patients to activate into offices either through financing or through a discount dental plan or education or whatever else so we think the strategy works really well. It's a good fit. We have a long list of docs waiting to get get their own office, get their own practice, and um, we're we're sticking with it. It's very unique in the industry. But as as we were talking before, you started recording. You've seen one DSO. You've seen one DSO. There are so many differences amongst all of us around there, and and the model works for us. And and um, and we're just continuing with it. Do you think? Um... 
do you think it helps to, I mean, I think you want to have a patient have an experience that doesn't seem like a cattle drive, right? You want to right. have, a, and, that, and that, that might be one of the criticisms of corporate is just it's a, it's a cattle drive. It's a waiting room full of people. It's just this long, you know, arduous uh, wait right. to get in and, and um, they're all the same. And um, uh, do you think that the naming them differently helps patients uh, out of that mentality? It makes them feel like it's, it's yeah. more private. I think, I, mean, I think we so. We do that in comfort too. We try to, we try to put on, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in the same boat. We try to make it seem as personable as, right. as possible, right? We don't right. particularly want them to, to realize, we're not trying to hide the fact that it's a corporation, but we are trying to make them feel like it's a personalized <laughs> type of experience. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. We, we talk about differentiation uh, a lot amongst our docs differentiation is key. Um, how do you set yourself apart from the other docs in the community? We'll have a community like, uh, um, or we're up in your area, take Seattle. We may have 10 or 15 practices in just around the Seattle city, uh, all owned by different docs, all kind of competing against each other a little bit, differentiating, making themselves uh, be relevant in that community. But at the end of the day, there are so many patients out there that need help. There's no lack of patient flow across the United States right now. Only, uh, depending on what study you read, 40, 50 to 60% of adults don't go to the dentist every year already. So there's just so, right. there's a plethora of patients to come in. We also know that because we've been at this for 30 years, that most patients don't want to travel to their dentist. You probably see that at Comfort. They, they come from a very close area, whether you look at a three-mile radius or drive time, but they don't want to spend a lot of time in the car to come to the practice. So another reason we, we locally brand. What do you, um, uh, you, you mentioned that within Pacific Dental Services, you have ownership opportunities like Comfort Dental. Um, one of the main things you hear from people is that Pacific Dental Services offers a 49% ownership, which some right. people would criticize and say, that doesn't sound like ownership. How do you respond to that? Well, I've actually never been asked the question because they're a 49% owner. They're an owner. <laughs> and they control the professional corporation. Uh, with no non-professional has any say-so in the professional corporation. So they, want, they own 100% of that professional corporation group of dentists do in, in each, every state's a little different. Washington state's obviously different than, than Oregon, right? So I think you know that uh, from- Yeah, there's always differences from state to state, yeah, for sure. There's always differences. Sure. And so they have total clinical autonomy, 100%. They do what they want. And- Does the 49% then go into like the, the, the way that the money is split at the end? And is it, is it, does that have to deal with the compensation of how they're compensated? It's 49% of- whatever's left over after yeah. bills are paid and, and such. You know, we get, you got to pay all the, all the expenses of the office and generally the expenses of four offices were all uh, subject to the same rough market expenses, whether it's for dental assistance or you're hiring another dentist or you're bringing on a hygienist, or you're bringing on a specialist. They're roughly the same across the nation. They vary, they vary by market, but roughly the same. And we're all subject to those same expenses. So you pay the expenses 
we get paid a, a management services fee and then um, that's how we allocate the rest. All right. Um, okay. Uh, so let's talk about this. Um, obviously PDS is hugely successful. If you could dial it in, and I know it, it, it may be more of a nuanced type of answer. <laughs> if you feel like you need to address it in a more nuanced way, you can, but sure. how, how does, can we simplify the success of PDS in your mind? Attribute it to, to some, how do you attribute the success of PDS? What do you say? Hey, you guys are huge, man. How did you do it? How did, uh, what, what, what's working for you? How did it, how did it grow in this way? What, what, yeah. to what do you attribute the success? So really, really good question. So I can answer it a couple different ways. Uh, we have a saying on the senior team that uh, structure Trump strategy. So we, we do have really good structures. So 30 plus years of organizational knowledge on how we can assist and help Dennis succeed, how to operate the office, how to do the revenue cycle management, the IT infrastructure, um, the compliance, the dental plans, and how we work with them. And I could just go on and on and on on the, on the structures. And we've, re, we've developed a very, you're talking about earlier, the concept of, of being different and having your practice be different and the patients feel great about their experience. So we have what's called the perfect patient experience that we teach. Now, we teach a standard form of that across the nation. So hopefully it's relatively the same, whether you're in Miami or or Portland or Washington or wherever, uh, but each doc has their own own flavor to the perfect, what we call the perfect patient experience. So uh, a lot is attributed to how that works. And as we know in for-profit private practice insurance-based dentistry, a lot has to do with uh, your ability to get patients to pay for that dentistry. Mm -hmm. uh, we, the out-of-pocket expense for patients in our world is 60% of all the dollars that come in. Only 40% is reimbursed from third-party payers. Uh, and that's way different than medicine. So medicine way is like, different. Medicine's like like less than 10% uh, <laughs> is actually coming out of pocket from the people and like 90%. So it's it's a huge difference. Huge difference. So our our payment facilitation systems are really good. In fact, we've we've created a fintech company that is is taking off that's servicing. Uh, our practices right now called WellFit that we're about to bring out and offer it out to other organizations to, to make it simple. It, one of the most complex things we deal with in dentistry is, is the reimbursement and payment system. It's mm -hmm. crazy. I mean, and dental plans really haven't changed much in the last 30 or 40 years. Still a $1,500 right. max, maybe a $1,500 deductible. They pay a 50, 80, 100. And that hasn't changed since I started in this 32 years ago. It's insane. Correct. So Correct. we have so much, so much opportunity to evolve and, and make, make the number of clicks for a patient to be able to pay and get the care they want. We have so much opportunity. So, okay. So is there something that you do personally? that you swear by? Is there something that when, when CEO Steve Thorne gets up in the morning, he's has, he has a routine. I like to ask people about their routines, what works for you. Is there something you would do in the morning that you would never not do because it's such a, or maybe a nighttime ritual or some kind of um, something that you feel like you have formed habi uh, uh, habitually yeah. that, that helps you? Yeah. On a, on a personal basis, I, I have, 
um, 10 to 15 minutes uh, of prayer time and quiet time when I wake up. Okay? It's like, that's key. And I try so hard not to look at my emails or texts before I do that. Okay. Not perfect, right. but that's my routine. Afternoon, a workout, something. I'm getting older, yeah. it's getting harder, but something. And working out to keep me mentally fresh. And then every night, spend some time with my wife. Uh, ideally, it's in person. I try to limit my travel now. Uh, yet, uh, I still have to travel once in a while. So spending some time with my wife. So those would be three from a personal side. On a business side, it's being maniacal about my schedule. The only thing I have to offer is time. And so I have to be absolutely insane and intense about how I'm allocating my time. So choosing to spend some time with you, a big audience, great for the business. It's not about Steve Thorne. It's about how do, how do I, I want to grow PBS, continue to see yeah. it thrive. So, yeah. In uh, time, yeah. And that's just, um, you know, time is the only thing that you, that when you waste it, you don't get it back. That's, you know, money, you can throw money away and you can make more money. Uh, right. Time is, is, is sacred to me as well. And it's, uh, it's something that uh, it gets lost from time to time. It gets, you just lose track. What about, yeah. um, what about when you're not feeling maniacal about your schedule? What if you feel like you need some escapism? What do you, what do you do? Do you have something you do that you like to, uh, uh, I like to watch the Seahawks on Sundays. Yeah. I like to turn on the tube and I, I like to escape yeah. with watching the Seahawks blow their season. It's my favorite thing to do. So uh, what do you have? Any, we'll go hit, hitting up a movie, uh, anything, reading a book. What, what do you do when it's, when you feel like uh, uh, you need to escape for a little bit? Well, I will, I will, I'll block off of off time in my schedule during the week for times like that. If I'm feeling a little stressed or a little too much pressure to just go back through my priorities and spend some time thinking about it. That I know that sounds crazy, but in my role, it's actually pretty relaxing to get that framed up of, of getting my priorities in order. And what am I, what am I going to accomplish? What am I trying to get done? Because it can be, it can be overwhelming at, at times. Now from a relaxing standpoint, I'm a big foodie. Let me go out to an incredible dinner. Um, yeah. I mean, Portland's right. foodie capital, one of the foodie capitals of the world. But yeah, a great dinner, great bottle of wine with my wife, and I'm, I'm great. Have you ever tried? Um, have you ever tried any heat or cold therapy? Oh yeah. You ever tried yeah. that? I do dry the- dry sauna. I do the dry infrared. I do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's great. Tell, tell me, what do you think? You like it? Love it. in there? Um, I can last about 35 to 45 minutes. Okay. You're a better man than me. Yeah. <laughs> I like the cold. I've gotten into the cold stuff lately. I don't know if you're, oh, I'm no. thinking about buying a cold bath. Uh, I've been taking cold baths lately uh, and, and cold showers because someone says, and here's the thing. I don't know if it's true, but I do know that forcing yourself to do something hard that is helpful. I feel like doing something that's hard and taking a cold shower is hard to do. So forcing yourself to do that makes it easier to do hard things in the future. That's the one thing I do know the benefit of that. But I wonder, then there's the, then there's the, uh, 
the claim that, you know, the, the cold stuff uh, shrinks up your uh, <laughs> <affects> inflammation. <laughs> not shrink that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I was about. wondering where you're going with that. No, I'm talking about the inflammation effects and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff that the cold bath helps. And I don't know anything about that. I'd like to think it does. It feels good. I like it. But I wonder if there's any of these. Uh, well, that's why uh, I do the infrared. Honestly, yeah. is, is the, infl- the inflammation uh, reduction, right? At least there's some well, studies some that show that. Combine the, some people combine the two. Combine the yeah, two. I don't like cold. Hot shock and then cold shock. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm gonna, I'll pass on the cold. Okay. So I'm going to tell you one of the biggest problems I think that exists in dentistry. You tell me if you have something else on your list. Okay. Things that you think are headed head in a bad direction. And then we're going to focus on some positivity to end this out. But the things that I'm, the things that I'm worried about is uh, Dennis' ability to earn when compared to the cost that exists to become a dentist. Yeah. So you have these seemingly blank checks that dental schools are able to exact upon their, their students. Right. And, and, you know, you hear things now where NYU is $125,000 a year. And so you got people graduating with $500,000 and that's just tuition, not including living expenses. So you got people oh, yeah. numbers that are crazy. I graduated in 2009, uh, UOP, which is an expensive school. It's a three-year school, yeah, yeah. but it, it's an expensive school, an expensive place to live as well. And I came out with just around $300,000 in debt, but students, colleagues of mine that graduated the same year I did were definitely above 400. Right. And that has gone up at least 25%. Right. And then all have you paid off your debt? debt? I have paid off my debt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have paid off my debt. How'd you pay yeah, off your debt? I, uh, what's that? How'd you pay off your debt? So I invest in some, uh, I dabble in some interesting investments that concern okay. uh, the people around me, like my wife and my uh, parents, but I got into uh, vintage comic books. Okay, I don't know if you're familiar cool. with yeah, so yeah. You see this poster behind me. This is uh, Gandalf and Balrog. This is a, a, an original painting by one okay. of my favorite artists. And uh, I love that kind of thing. But I get into original comic books, uh, original comic book art. So I started investing in that and holding it and then selling it. Um, yeah. And made a killing. And anyway, put all the yeah. profits toward paying my, paying my debt off. Yeah. How'd you get uh, the money to buy? How'd you get the money to buy, get into that? Those investments, though? Well, I mean, it was just taking all my money I earned from my dental office. And exactly. Shoving it, yeah. The that's where I was headed. Yeah, that's the that's, question. And yeah, if you look at the economic data that's put out by the ADA or whomever, uh, and you look at the ROI for going to dental school, and it could look pretty scary, right? Uh, based on yeah. on averages. Uh, I hate average. I don't know about you. I hate average. Average sucks. Right. And uh, for dentistry, it does. Yeah. Let let's let's go big. Uh, I tell. Uh, so I just did orientation here last week. We, we PDS brings on uh, roughly the most number of new grads. We'll take on recent gr- new grads and train them and teach them. Mm-hmm. Most, most groups won't do that. Uh, so we, we bring on mo- roughly the most new grads that over the summer to get put perspective, 250 graduating uh, for, who graduated last year came on board of PDS practice. Uh, over the summer and it was a tough year toughest year in my 32 years because they didn't it was covid year right so they didn't yeah. get all the experience yeah. of patients right so we are, we're having to work extra hard to help them out but i i and so last week i asked them how many of you have over a half a million dollars in debt and about half the group 
uh, you're talking like 75 people, about half the group. And, like I, and 20, 20, 23 to 25 year old. Well, right. what? 26 to 30, more like 26, 30. Okay. Right. Cause you graduated college at 22 in dental school. Mm -hmm. So sure. 26, yeah, you're 26, right. 30, right. 2030, yeah, and, right. and I, you know, I know they could go to some of my competitors and get a, a loan repayment program or whatever, and they're out there. I get that. There's, there's no way to do that tax-free. I think we both know that. Most of them know that. The way to pay your uh, student loans back is to get out and do really well as a dentist. Mm -hmm. And if you do really well as a dentist, the great thing about dentistry as in our world, in the for-profit private practice insurance-based world, that the better you operate your practice and the, the better your hand skills get, your clinical skills, your diagnosis, your case acceptance, the better you do financially. And then paying back your school debt becomes a non-issue. You can or you can't, or you don't have to. I think we, you, you guys, I know your model really well. I think we have one of the best models to pay back school debt and make that investment worth it. Yeah, so that's my next question. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, I got accepted to XYZ school. My tuition is going to come out $500,000 in debt. Yeah. This is the question I struggle with that I used to never because I came yeah. out of dentistry loving dentistry and like yeah. the paychecks, paychecks I was getting, I was thrilled with that. Um, but now I, I, I pause and I say, you have to have a plan afterwards because like you said, average, average dentist, what is the ADA report? 175,000 bucks 175, a year? 80,000, yeah. 180, something like that. You're not, you're, <sighs> you're going to live like someone, you're going to be a dentist. You're going to make, what is that? 15 to $20,000 a month. And you're going to feel like someone who makes $3,000 a month. You're going to feel, and that's how, for part of my, my, my first couple of years in dentistry, that's how I felt. I felt like I was making good money, but I felt like I didn't feel like I was someone who was making $350,000 a year. I felt like someone who was making $80,000 a year. I was doing okay, but I didn't feel like someone making three fifty. but that's what I was making. And it was crazy. But, um, so that's what I tell people now. What do you, what yeah. would you say? Someone comes up to you and says, oh, man, should I pull the trigger? I need your, I need your advice, Steve. What do you say? Absolutely. 100% yes. Pull the trigger, get in there, learn it, figure it out. And then when you get out, you're coming into one of the best professions I see in the next 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years. If you're going to practice uh, the average dentist, what is practicing 20, 25 years, maybe at the chair, something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little longer. Maybe if, if you're average, you're practicing 40 years. If you're making good money, you're practicing 20, 25 years. Our, our average owner is in the 415,000 range. That's average over about 700 owners. So you can imagine how many are making a lot more than that, right? Yeah. And, and That's it, good. It's really good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. You know, and I'm stoked. It's like, hey, hallelujah, go for it. Um, so I, I'm like, yeah, you should definitely do that. The opportunity is there. Now, you can't practice the way... Uh, my father practiced or my grandfather practiced. My dad went to UOP, by the way. Two of my brothers went to UOP, oh, cool. by the way. So I know the school really well, friends with the dean, um, all that. But if you practice the way they did as only a restorative fix-it dentist compared to what's the future, because my grandpa and dad sort of practice the same way. My, grad, 
my grandpa graduated Harvard in 1936. So, and then my gra- dad graduated uh, UOP in 1966. Wow. And still, dentistry was sort of done the same way. I know there's evolution and all, all that. But, but right mm-hmm. now, we're in the midst of massive change. I mean, you guys have yeah. so much opportunity around whether it's dental medical integration, whether it's clear aligners, implants, CBCTs, and we can go right down the list of this confluence of change that's happening in dentistry that makes it such an amazing opportunity uh, to make that investment of three or four years of your life and a half a million dollar investment to have the ability to go out and set up your own practice and go out and make a half a million to a million dollars a year. I can't do that. I mean, I can't go set up a practice. Right, but they can. Right, right. So it's. I think it's. We're. I think we're coming up on the golden years. That is a positive, positive take, and I. I can't say that I remain as positive. I. One of the things I worry about, and tell me if you worry about this. I worry about. It seems like most dentists, and and probably not. uh, I wouldn't say. Well, maybe corporate uh, organizations as well. Most dentists almost aspire to see less patients, right? Most dentists are aspiring to drop insurance. Most dentists are aspiring to go fee for service. Most dentists are, and once they do, you have these evangelical type of types that go out there and they say, hey, everybody, I did it. You can do it. Drop this, drop that. And I'm just like, where do these people go? Like, like. Like you said, there is a huge percentage of the portion of the uh, a huge percentage of population that just doesn't go to the dentist. And if you ask them why, the studies that come back will say, "Well, I, I didn't. I had dental things to do, but my insurance didn't cover that, so I didn't go." That's right. almost always number one right. on why I didn't do it. I knew about it, I didn't do it, or I just didn't go because I didn't have insurance. Right. So it's almost the number one. You can say educate people, but people just aren't going to instinctively understand like, okay, well you can pay out of pocket and you can pay out of pocket, but people instinctively want to stay within their insurance program. So you have this collectively, I don't think it's like, it's not like an organized movement, but just like collectively, I see the profession going Mm -hmm. that direction, right? Where it's like trying to see less people, trying to do less work, trying to increase your, increase your bottom line, you know, and, and that's what I see. And I worry about, uh, that tremendously. So I see yeah. these corporate opportunities and I kind of lump them all in together when I say this is that this is, these are the people who are going to take care of the people that the rest of the dentists don't want to take care of. It seems like, um, and that's one of my, one of my yes, takes is yes. one of my takes is that, is that, yeah. um, you couple that with, um, uh, dentists, have this fee-for-service model which sees very little you know much fewer patients makes it more difficult for them to bring someone on and finance that person or buy in or even you know yeah. create some kind of associateship so you have these corporate institutions that are poised to take these new grads and help them on this journey and of course that's where pds comes in that's where a lot of groups come in and they provide an answer to that to that solution um do you feel like that's a direction dentistry is going. Do you do you sense that as well? I think there's a, a chunk to a big chunk of dentists and dentistry that's going that way. Yes. 
I think there's a, a many out there that want to preserve, trying to preserve fee-for-service dentistry that existed 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But like you just said, patients come in when they have a dental plan. So we, we view dental plans as our partners. Now, we can, we can have a great debate about dental plans, and I'll throw them under the bus as quick as anybody on some of their their tactics and things that they do, but I also view them as partners because they're out there signing up people that are showing up in dental offices, giving dentists the opportunity to serve them every single day. It, we're, we're at about 88% across the nation, about 88% of the patients coming in will have some sort of third-party dental plan. Only 12% are gonna come in on a, uh, on a cash type basis. So pay, people wanna use those plans. It's our job to help them use their dental plan and teach them about that, be the experts of their dental plan, but also offer services that may not be covered by that dental plan. Uh, simple example, an implant, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you lost number three, what are you getting done? You getting a bridge? Yeah, you're getting an implant. What if the plan doesn't cover it? You know, it, it creates that opportunity for you to offer that patient. If you have to take out number three, Maybe maybe you can't do an immediate. Maybe you got to put some bone in there, wait a while, bring the patient back, place the implant, then you get the crown, on and on. So, and you gave the patient an incredible service over old school, old school dentistry. Yeah, that was a little rough spot on the yeah wi on the Wi Fi. Yeah, uh, I apologize. I apologize. I don't know where I left off. By the way, it all, it all gets out of this sort of stuff. Doesn't, this stuff's going to all get cut out. Yeah. So in essence, what I was hearing, you're, you're doing a lot of implants, right? Tons. Tons. On a population of people that most dentists think aren't going to be the yeah. right, right type of patient. But right. these are the people who need implants the most. Right. And the, the majority of Medicaid patients are missing a tooth, at least one. Exactly. And I don't know what you, what you charge, but it, you're probably in that realm of four, four grand for an implant and the crown and the whole deal somewhere in that range. I am a lot less than that, actually. I am okay. $2,400 for implant abutment and crown. Wow. So, so that's why they're coming to you. What a great deal. No, what our, a great deal. It's an but incredible they have deal. It, and that's the point is that they have two thousand four hundred. Dollars. That that's the number that they have. But it does matter that these people come up with the value is not there, but they have the money and they can get the money in many yeah, cases. That's the the financial portion that we were talking about earlier. If you can if you can make that work and you're that efficient at twenty four hundred and then help your patients pay for that, I mean that's why I say dentistry is so great. Guys like you are figuring it out. Our our average across the nation, it, you know, we have ranges depending on the market. If you look at the average, they're, they're like four grand. So they're not expensive. They're not cheap. But what a service. What a service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before my dad, my dad just passed away a couple months ago. He was, we were sitting down one day, we were talking. He goes, man, you know, all my patients, I did all these bridges on. I've never seen a bridge come back that I like. You know? He was just being real, <laughs> being transparent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, yeah, there's going to be something that comes out that I say this, I just all say the same thing about it when I'm, when I'm an old man and I'm thinking about my past 
Yeah. Hey, I want to spend the last couple. You're not you're not cutting out at all. You're saying, "Day, what is Smile Generation Serve Day, and and and, and what what are we doing? Why are we doing it?" Smile Generation Serve Day. Every every year, we have so many patients that come in that uh, can't afford the care, no matter what we we do to help them afford the care they need. You know, they may have just got out of prison. They may have um, come. Uh, had other problems, maybe some addiction problems or something like that, and come through. And you know, we don't we don't tell our dentists what to do. They're allowed to do all the all the pro bono work they want during the year. But you know, during the year, it's it's day to day. Everybody in dentistry, you know, you, you got to produce every day and post up. And but this is a, a time of year that we can collaborate with the community. They usually collaborate with a certain community uh, partner to serve a group of people that wouldn't otherwise get that care they need. And it's been growing uh, ever since for serving that community, but also more, almost more important, probably more important to me is instilling in this organization the um, desire to serve. I call it the acts of service where we get as you guys as dentists, you, you get it all the time from a patient or often, I should say, that a patient just thanks you and cries for what you can do to help them out, right? I know, I know that happens. I've seen it thousands of times. In this, we get the whole, whole organization, as many as we can, to give up uh, four, six, eight hours of their, their life and go in and serve that community. And I tell you what, the, the people that serve, they are so blessed by the end of that day of how they're helping out and the people that got served are blessed with what they got. And it's just a way as we continue to, to, um, to grow, to help out and to serve uh, the local community. I love it. I mean, I love it. I saw you, I saw you posting about it last time you guys were doing it. And I was like, uh, I was commenting my little hearts on your, on your posts. I love it, man. Cause I think it's what miss, that's what's missing. I think it's what's missing in a lot of the Dennis lives. I think that is the, that is a key component that does not get talked about enough on how important that is and being the change for someone when you have the ability to do that. And so I love those types of organizations. I love those types of projects where it's like, Hey, we're coming together. What's the best way to serve? Um, and I love that you involve your organization. I love that that's something that you instill in, in the 4,000 plus, uh, uh, partners. Uh, I don't know what you're calling them partners. Clinicians all overall. When I say that all clinicians, specialists, hygienists, dentists, the whole, yeah. whole those that can actually hold a handpiece and do something. <laughs> Anyone with a hand. Would be a legally, hand. legally can hold a handpiece. Legal, legally. Something. So, right. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, um, and that, that's one of the reasons why I started doing what I do. So this Drilled Podcast is all about uh, promoting Halo Dental, which is a charity that I run that, okay. that focuses on, focuses on um, these transformations and putting the power in the dentist to be the impact that they want to be. I have a lot of dentists, a lot of friends, and myself included, that thought we were going to go to this profession to make a big change. And then we get out and we don't feel like we're doing what we thought we were going right. to do. And it's hard and it's difficult and, um, and money gets in the way. And even if you have someone who pays for the treatment, that's life changing. It's not the same as giving it to someone who 
can never get it. There's right. a very different impact that you have on someone that you can give that, that to someone. And it's so really I, tough to do that day to day, right? Because you're in the grind, tough. you're in the mode. We have bills to pay. We have staff to pay. I get it. And that's why we did it. That's why we set and aside that purpose. day. Yeah, and you lose purpose when you, when you, when you lose track of that component yep. and you can gain that purpose back when you start making a deliberate effort to, to make that a part. So make it a yearly thing, make it a monthly thing, whatever you want to do, however you want to do yeah. it. I love that you said your clinicians can do all the pro bono work that they want. That's fantastic because I would, I would be dead in the water without that. I started my career and about five years in, I hated my job. And that's, that's true. Yeah. I did not like what I was doing. I did not like going to work and doing charitable service for people is something that changed that dramatically 180 shift by purpose whole yep. entire purpose changed in that vein i'm going to wrap things up because i know you got a hard stop one thing last thing i want to do every week on drilled podcast i give away 500 dollars of free dental work to uh, i get a lot of patients who listen to this so they're yeah. listening for that 500 dollars uh we do a secret word any word we want i usually defer to my guest to any word or phrase that they will then email to drilledpodcast at gmail.com and they will get $500 of free dental work, or they can gift it to someone who needs $500 of free dental work. So I want to put you on the spot, Steve. You got a secret word that we could that we could use for this week's episode? It could be anything. I'll pick a, a word from PDS only because it's a core part of our entire culture, which is extraordinary. The word extraordinary? The word extraordinary. Wow. The word is extraordinary. We will be leaning on spelling. That's a tough one. So um, <laughs> extra uh, ordinary. Extraordinary. <laughs> one word though. Extraordinary. All smushed together. That's a good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. So listen, um, if you uh, if you would like, uh, we usually do the fifth email that we get is the winner. Um, and again, if you can't use it yourself, you can gift it to someone who can. Five hundred dollars of free dental order towards anything. Hard stop at one o'clock here. We got we got a respect here. Uh, Steve, is there anything you want to add to uh, to what we've talked about? No, this was fun. Uh, tell Rick hi for me if you ever talk to him. It's been years and years and years, uh, like thirty ah. years or so. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Sure, We're still both sure. at it. And uh, right. yeah, it was great talking to you, Brady. It was a lot of fun. All right, Steve. Uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna. Um, uh, uh, Make sure to head over to the Drilled Podcast uh, social media accounts, Halo Dental Network social media accounts. Follow us there. Thanks for your patronage, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everybody. Hey, take care.